Welcome back to Views from Third Man. For those of you who are first-time listeners, this is a cricket podcast where we look at the events of world cricket from a fan's point of view. But unfortunately, due to the unprecedented nature of the rise in COVID-19 cases in India, there is no cricket to talk about. The COVID-19 crisis has been hard on all of us. I myself have been affected by COVID-19 in the past one month and I understand how hard it can be for some people. So here at the podcast, we've decided to pledge our support towards the Hemkund Foundation, an organization aimed at providing COVID relief and oxygen supplies for those who need it the most. For every listen we get on the podcast in our new series, Memories of the IPL, we will be donating a certain amount towards this foundation's campaign to help make the lives of those affected by COVID-19 better. We urge all of you to do the same as well. The information is in the bio of the podcast, which can be found on Hubhopper. Today on the podcast, we're looking at two remarkable events in the history of the IPL. The first comes in 2014. It was an unusual IPL, IPL 2014. It moved to the UAE for the span of two weeks because of Indian elections and then moved back to India. That affected a lot of teams. Teams like the Kings Eleven Punjab had their memorable campaign that year with Glenn Maxwell powering them into the finals. But for the Mumbai Indians and the Rajasthan Royals, because of the rapid change in conditions, it was a precarious IPL. Rajasthan were a good team in the IPL. Rajasthan was everyone's second favourite team. Sort of the World Cup equivalent of the West Indies or New Zealand. They won a couple of games and they lost one and they always qualified number three or four in those days. The Mumbai Indians were defending champions and under a lot of pressure because they weren't having the best season. Here we are in the last game of the league stage at the Wankhede Stadium. Mumbai Indians facing off against the Rajasthan Royals. Both teams have the exact same number of points and the winner qualifies based on net run rate. So, it was a really simple scenario because of the way net run rate works. If Mumbai chased, they had to score whatever they needed to to win in about 14.3 overs because then they would have won 7 out of 7 games and their net run rate would have jumped ahead of Rajasthan's. Rajasthan had won 7 out of their 13 games. So if they won 8 out of their 14, they would have qualified. So all Rajasthan needed was a win. Mumbai needed a big win. Now, how do you chase 190 in 14.3 overs? Because it was a good chasing service in the Wankhede Stadium. But after Shane Watson and the rest of the Rajasthan batsmen like Ajinkya Lahane went all guns blazing, Rajasthan ended 189. And their qualification was almost certain, even though their victory may not have been. Mumbai Indians had to get 190 in 87 balls. By today's standards, that's near impossible. So what did the fearless Rohit Sharma do? At one down, he sent out a big, strong New Zealander in Corey Anderson. And Corey Anderson played in innings of a lifetime. He made 95 and 44 balls and powered Mumbai to a position from which they could mount an assault. They needed 50 of the last 20 balls when Mumbai Indians' man for all ages, Ambati Raidu, walked into bat. Raidu is the one talent Indian cricket was never really able to capitalise on because there was never a place in the side. But he's as good as any player who's been a great for India. Raidu, Mumbai's man for all ages, gets 30 runs in 10 balls. And all of a sudden, the Mumbai Indians are 188 in 14.2 overs and Raidu gets run out. And Raidu falls onto the floor, he takes off his helmet and he is in tears. It was almost as if they needed a stretcher to carry him off the field because 
Mumbai Indians were 189 and 14.3 overs. Exactly Rajasthan's score. Their victory was assured, but they may not qualify because of net run rate. Raidu is in tears and the Mumbai Indians players come onto the field and carry him off. Aditya Tare walks, walks out to bat. Aditya Tare is a big football fan, for those of you who don't know, and that will play a relevance later. Mohandas Menon was a commentator in the commentary box at the time, and he's also a prominent statistician. In the commentary box, he suddenly realized that if the Mumbai Indians were able to get a boundary of the last ball, preferably, preferably a six, they would be able to qualify. Because the difference in net run rate was actually at the third decimal place. So if Mumbai Indians got a boundary, their score would no longer read, let's say if they'd taken a single 190 of 14.4, but 195 of 14.4 overs. And that would have slipped into the second or third decimal decimal place to help them qualify. James Faulkner bowls a leg stump Yorker that goes wrong. Aditya Tade swivels and hits it for six behind point. And then Aditya Tade, in the football fan that he is kind of style, takes off his helmet, puts his shirt over his head and runs around the Wankhede Stadium like a, like a crazy chicken really and just celebrates. The entire Mumbai Indians team rush onto the field and aside for all ages, Rahul Dravid, the coolest, nicest head in Indian cricketing history, takes off his cap and slams it onto the ground. And that picture of Rahul Dravid just goes to show how special the IPL is as a tournament, where it can cause somebody as calm and collected as him to be that emotional. That's a game that we remember in the IPL. But we don't remember a lot of games in the IPL. I mean, you remember the final of 2008, the last final, a game with two super overs. But usually, game follows... A similar sort of pattern. A lot of runs are scored, wickets are taken. You don't remember IPL games or seasons years later, let alone five years later. For our next moment of the IPL, we are looking at an individual performance. An individual performance that redefines statistics. And we're looking at the incredible events of IPL 2016. Five years later, it remains a special tournament. The team to watch out for that year were the Royal Challengers Bangalore. And the man who made it special was named Virat Kohli. A little bit of a backstory. India had come off of a heartbreaking World T20 tournament where Virat Kohli had made 273 runs in five innings and ended as the man of the tournament. India's other top five batsmen had made 272 runs, which just goes to show how reliant they were on Kohli. He got almost 45% of the side's runs and wasn't able to power India to that championship. India lost to the West Indies because of a couple of no-balls that got bowled to Andre Russell. So, Virat Kohli goes into IPL 2016 more determined than ever. Now, the backstory from an IPL context is everyone knew Virat Kohli was a good player, maybe even the next big thing in world cricket, but the numbers in IPL weren't up to the mark for a player of his calibre. He scored a lot of runs, he had a pretty decent strike rate, but he never dominated the tournament. And he talked about this in an interview before where he said, I want to run the hundreds run as quickly as I run the first. I want to hit more fours and fours and sixes. I want to rotate strike better and I want to get my team wins. The Royal Challengers weren't necessarily the best side in the IPL at that point. And then IPL 2016 happened. And I'm thinking about the numbers and it's quite ridiculous. So just for a little bit of context, usually in an IPL tournament, if you get more than 500 runs, you've had a very good tournament. More than 600 runs, you're in contention for the orange cap. 
700 runs almost certainly gives you the orange cap it's only been achieved five to six times before kane williamson's done it michael hussey's done it chris gale has done it a couple of times and david warner's done it once but ipl 2016 was different in 16 innings <laughs> and i'm laughing as i say this because it just sounds so unrealistic virat kohli made 973 runs in 16 games he made four centuries with 750 plus scores and a strike rate of 152 now that's mind boggling in itself but it's important to look at kohli's achievements which is almost 1000 runs in the ipl just imagine that it's important to look at his achievements in light of what his goals were was he running the 100th run as quickly as he was running the first well before ipl 2016 the numbers say around 33% of all of the balls he played were going for singles ones and twos in ipl 2016 that was 51 to 52% because of which he was able to convert the the 50s into the 100s much easier number of sixes without could he wasn't known as the biggest six hitter he had a six about every 23 balls or so in ipl 2016 he was hitting a six every 16 to 17 balls that's a huge jump if he plays 50 balls he's hitting two sixes more on an average and i think the highlight of that tournament was against the kings 11 punjab it was an affected game in 15 overs where royal challengers put on upwards of 200 and without kohli batting with eight stitches in his right hand made 113 of 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 just 50 balls rcb were the team to watch out for that year in the ipl halfway through the tournament ab de villiers joined in the party and ended with 687 runs but ipl 2016 was also special because of who won the final of that tournament was the best batting side in the ipl in the royal challengers up against the best bowling side in the sunrisers hyderabad the sunrisers put up upwards of 200 and the royal challengers bangalore were not able to chase it down they lost by 7 runs a batsman made almost 1000 runs ab de villiers had a tremendous strike rate chris gale plundered runs from the opposition but the sunrisers won the team with the purple cap holder won and that just goes to show you can score as many runs as you want you can break all the batting records but at the end of the day it's the bowlers who win you the matches so those were our two moments on this week's episode of the podcast we hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you again soon on wednesday thank you so much for listening everyone stay safe